You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hadrava, your host for another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. So glad that you joined us today. And you know, um, it wasn't that long ago that we were all traveling uh, all over the country, uh, on airplanes, staying in hotels, doing business, taking family vacations, whatever the case may be. And you know, this is a pretty interesting uh, conversation that we'll have today. Three and a half years ago, I was on an airplane, and you know those those of you that know me, I'm all about trying to learn um, about people and things, and I'm very much about connections. I love to make connections, and I love to connect people. And so, what I find myself doing several times to my kids and my wife's chagrin is reaching out to the people I'm sitting next to on the airplane uh, occasionally just to learn about them. And, you know, I met this gentleman three and a half years ago on a flight, and I can't honestly tell you if I was going to Chicago or coming from Chicago, but we struck up a conversation and I knew right away that this was a very interesting gentleman. And and I've just struck up that friendship. We've, we've been on LinkedIn and I've asked Peter Roth to join us today for our podcast. You know, I'll sum it up this way. Peter has 25 years of experience plus in the luxury segment of, of the hotel business. He's known as an international hotelier, and he currently serves, and Peter will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he serves as the vice president luxury and lifestyle brands and the general manager of the Park Hyatt in New York and I wanted to bring Peter to the show. So without further ado, let's welcome Peter Roth to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Peter, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. It's my pleasure, Rick. Thank you very much for the introduction. I'm, I'm humbled, and I'm also glad that you have such, good, uh, such a good memory. And uh, it, you know it, that took us back to that airplane ride where we met. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, Peter, let me ask you. First of all, did I get the description right? Yeah, you, you're right. I, I'm area vice president uh, for here in the Northeast uh, for Hyatt, and I oversee um, a few hotels uh, in this part of the country. And my base is at the Park Hyatt, New York, as a general manager. So, well, yes. The, so, so the one thing that I know about you is you've also done this all over the world, and so. As a way to kind of introduce our audience to to Peter Roth, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Well, um, I'll, I'll give you the, um, the the shorter version because the interest of time. But I've been very very lucky in how I got uh, to where I am today, and also um, you know my journey has been on a personal level, uh, you know, a wonderful journey. So I. I'm originally from Germany. I was born in Berlin and then brought up in Ecuador in Quito. Um, early on, um, I then moved on to hotel school back in Germany, landed my first job in New York City at the, uh, at the St. Regis in the 90s. From there, I went back to South America and I had the privilege of working for you know different companies in, in Venezuela, in Uruguay, in Argentina, in Chile, and in Mexico. 
And uh, then I moved back to Europe for a while, worked in Germany, worked in uh, southern Spain, and ultimately uh, here in the United States in three different times of my life, I, I came back to the United States, uh, lived twice in Chicago and uh, twice in New York. So uh, that is in summary my 25 years of, of travel and um, probably uh, you know, one of the key ingredients of, of this journey is, is to have found the right uh, spouse too. My, my wife is really a hero, Gabriela, who has been able to uh, take uh, us, the family of five, uh, to each of, to most of these locations. We've moved uh, 13 times together to, through nine countries, and then I've done a few more moves on my own. But uh, yeah, she's an artist as well in helping us to be global and to help our kids to be global global citizens well that that's uh, i've moved 10 times in my life and i thought that was a lot so i think i think you win the you're award you're not far behind <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm done now knock on wood but peter so here's my question as a young man um did you see yourself in the hotel business I, I actually uh, did, and not to say that I didn't have other interests. Uh, there was a time I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to be an architect, but ultimately, uh, hospitality in the world of travel fascinated me early on. And I have a beautiful picture on, actually on my phone, um, from my father, uh, who in you know in the 40s was walking out uh, the main door of his house uh in, with with you know very elegantly suit and tie like in those times was the way to go hat trench coat and one suitcase and he emigrated uh to australia and from there uh his journey began and he he traveled i mean i think he probably did 85 countries in his lifetime and he was my inspiration for travel he would come back home after long trips back in the day trips of three four five six seven weeks of of being absent he would come back tell us all these fascinating stories bring a few souvenirs uh, for his kids so ultimately he was the inspiration for me to be interested in in travel and um, my first summer internship in hospitality which was only four weeks long at age 17 um, sold me on on the industry. I really fell in love quickly with uh, the atmosphere, the people, the energy um, of of what the industry had to offer, and uh, and then the rest is history. So I I started at age eighteen in hotel school, and I have done this uh, ever since. So at eighteen, hotel school. Um, talk to me about you know what was it like early on, you know, because I, I sit here and I'm looking at your current title and role in the organization, but as an 18-year-old, I know what you were spending your time with inside the hotel was probably a little different. So I'm, I'm curious, what was, what was it like in the early days? Yeah, well, that's a good question because I get that question from young people I speak to today about, hey, Peter, uh, what do you think? Should I go into hospitality? And if the answer is you know, so if the kids decide, yes, they ask me, so where should I study? Should I go to, you know, Ecole uh, Hotelier in, in Lausanne? Should I go to study in Cornell or who knows what and or where, right? What 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 is the right path? So the reason why I mention that is because the education I received, which still exists today, mostly in Europe, 
was a traditional apprenticeship combined with hotel school. So to your point about what I would spend my time on, well, I had to work every line job there is or was. They're still pretty much the same jobs. I had to work all of them for several weeks up to several months. So being it the receptionist, the concierge, the housekeeper, the steward who cleans the dishes, the pool attendant, you name it. Um, I had, and I see it as a privilege, I had the privilege of doing all these jobs, which now, 20 plus years later, uh, allows me to have real uh, connection, not only empathy at times, but a real connection um, to everybody who does those jobs within my team. So when I see that the housekeepers work so very hard because occupancy is high and I can relate to everything they're doing. I can relate to how tough it is to lift that mattress, have a bit of a back pain maybe at the end of the day, to get on your knees to you know find something underneath the bed, to carry the vacuum cleaner. I mean, it doesn't matter. I just relate to every team member because of that very uh, solid basic education which I got um, back then. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I think we wonder if if those days um, have gone, you know, where I think the expectation, I think maybe what I'm hearing you say is, you know, would we be able to get an 18 year old to do all those things today? You know, they, or mm-hmm. do they do they expect to go right into a management program? Um, so, so how do you so so how do you deal with that today in your program as you're grooming the next generation? That's that's a great question. So, it, but to your point, you get both. You do get a lot of uh, young people who are interested and willing to do what I just described, and it's still a possibility. Again, it's more of the European model, but it's still possible. And then there is the the academic uh, university path of studying hotel management, and that's where you get more. Of, obviously, it's an intellectual approach to the business. It is uh, very necessary and it, it is a great education. It does set you up uh, or it does set your expectations up to become a manager faster. That is true. But what I uh, say to everybody who joins us is uh, you, you need to be patient because what ultimately will make you successful, besides what, besides what you learned in, in any book, is, is your ability to lead. And leadership uh, needs to w- you will acquire leadership skills through time. You have to expose yourself to to working with teams within teams, ultimately lead teams. And to lead a team, there's so many ingredients to that aspect of the conversation. But there is um, it's a it's a complex recipe, and one of them is to connect and to gain people's respect. So how do you how does that all come together? Well, in 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 a to a great degree, it is. Uh, um, knowing, working along with others, knowing how they feel uh, and understanding their work and being able to teach them something. So I don't think there's a shortcut. I don't think there's a shortcut for anybody to be successful in our industry. Um, so regardless of how you start, you need to put in the time and the work. Well, it's a very good point, And I'm glad you made that. That that gets me thinking. So I'm again. I'm looking at this title, luxury and lifestyle brands, Park Hyatt, and then it's New York. And you know, I took my family to New York last year for Thanksgiving, um, 
And so I'm sitting here when I think luxury and lifestyle, Peter, how, how do you build that customer experience? Because ultimately, isn't that what the hotel business is all about? Absolutely. Um, well, the customer experience is, a, is really a fascinating uh, topic because it's different things to different people, right? And we, to, to approach this with any product we sell, any service we offer, we like to create, create compartments and say, well, you know, it's luxury, it's lifestyle, it's full service, et cetera, et cetera. And that is probably one of the reasons why um, companies like Hyde and others have so many sub-brands to cater individually to all to to uh, to these expectations, and this is uh, where I believe the the um, the moment of truth lies. Is do you understand and do you know what the other person's expectation is, and can you live up to that expectation? So the way we approach it is, we need to work hard to know very well who our customer is. Number one, so to identify who that customer is. But then there needs to be a dialogue, a permanent dialogue with your customer, um, where you learn about the needs that vary throughout a year and throughout a season, right? What does your customer really expect? And if you show a legitimate interest in knowing and getting to know your customer and building a intentional relationship with that customer, that's where I believe we stand out and build loyalty and that's where that's the moment where we then are able to create memorable experiences that are lasting and that add value to somebody's life which is really in my view the only way of being remembered if you add value to somebody's life uh, in this in the context now of hospitality they will remember you and the next time they need to make a choice they will gravitate towards you and hopefully choose you again so I, I think the the formula is really uh, to pay a lot of attention to have a constant dialogue to your, with your customers in a relationship that might be commercial, but you can call it a real relationship. Sure. Well, you know, I, I look at it from two components. I'd be interesting to see if this is really summing up your thoughts. There's a basic level of expectation when when somebody. Uh, visits one of your hotels, there's an expectation. That's what's going to keep them coming back, the consistency of knowing what they're going to get. But then there's also that uh, that exp- that feeling of above and beyond, right? It, it's mm-hmm. a, the, the little things that go, oh, wow, that separates out my experience from, from that. Is, is that really what you guys are kind of after? Uh, yes, but when you say the little things, um, what I would describe as that little thing, which is not that little for that matter, is really the the personal connection. It is much more important, Rick, if we would use you as an example, it's much more important that the receptionist, the concierge or the doorman remembers you, remembers your name, and maybe remembers that at, during your last day, you had a certain preference for a restaurant or a preference for anything in your room. That gesture of remembering you and what you're all about is much more important than the chocolate on the pillow. Oh boy, that's a great example. You're you're absolutely right. I, I love that. Well, it so Peter, you you've been doing this a long time, and and um, 
I imagine that you've seen a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs come through the doors from time to time. Mm -hmm. Has there has there been anything that's been left, you know, kind of imprinted on you that that's different um, from the from the business world versus maybe the family coming in and, and staying? Uh, if, if you're referring to uh, the business traveler versus the family, uh, just yeah. want to make sure I, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, um, now with, with business travelers, um, there is a similarity, which I think happens pretty much at the beginning of the stay of the interaction of that service relationship. And that is the, the business person needs to be read the same way as the family or the, the individual traveler. Why? Because they have expectations that need to be recognized. They have needs that need to be acknowledged. And then once we realize what that is, then it's about execution. I think on, on anything from full service and luxury upwards, what matters to business people is uh, that the execution has to be flawless. And if possible, a hotel team should try to think ahead, take, um, you know, avoid road bumps and make, make sure that these experiences allow the individual who comes to us to be more successful at whatever they came for, right? So think about it. Is it a board meeting? Is it just closing a deal? Is it gaining a new customer? Uh, whatever that individual uh, or group comes for ultimately that objective, we need to be part of making that journey to the finish line shorter and smoother. Sure. Well, it, it's, Hey, the, the basics, do what you say you're going to do, please. And thank you. Right. Um, don't leave them with any questions during that experience. Well, so Peter, let's, let's get a little closer to home for you, you know, cause we've got, we're dealing obviously with 2020 being a year I hope that we'll remember in history, but we can soon forget. Uh, but with COVID and politics, and I even think of things like VRBO, all the alternatives that you guys have to deal with, the landscape's changed a little bit. Can mm -hmm. you can, can you share for for our audience, you know, us that are outside of the New York scene? What's it like right now, and how are you guys um, dealing with all these challenges that you face this year? Well, that that um, is for us obviously what we think about every day since this all started back in in March. Uh, maybe I start with the good news. Uh, the good news is that our industry, hospitality, service, uh, is not going to go anywhere. What will happen is that there will be, to some degree, a transformation. This very moment in time, what we need to do is just get through it, uh, which uh, of course is painful because occupancy is low and, and, and people are not, not traveling much. But at the same time, there is an opportunity. And they, you've probably heard the saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. So sure. we do have more time on our hands that we're using to revisit everything we have been doing and we're revisiting the processes and, and how we run hotels. And we have come to realize very quickly that we need to be very open-minded, entrepreneurial, and innovative. And again, as mentioned earlier, we need to speak to our customers and understand what are the, the new set of expectations for us to serve you well. So 
table stakes, one of the very obvious things everybody uh, wants these days is make me feel safe um, through how you run your hotels from a hygiene uh, and sanitation perspective. There was or is a huge conversation, but now it's already, um, I would call it table stakes. We figured out really quickly how to cater to those needs, which are essential and basic. But then there's other opportunities. How, how will meetings uh, take place? Uh, will we incorporate more and more technology, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess uh, in summary, what this current moment in time is, is giving us, uh, besides a headache, it is giving <laughs> us the opportunity to um, tweak and uh, reinvent um, and, and re reinitiate that dialogue with our customers to make sure that when we come back uh, out on the other side, which is, you know, in the, I would say, almost immediate future, uh, that we're not exactly the same as we were before, because that would be a bit of a misfit to the purpose. And it's it's a great observation. I'm just curious in your in your mind, do you see the business conferences, you know, that world um, coming back? I do see it coming back. Um, obviously, we don't control the timing. Now, I do believe it's going to be there will be some differences, and I can't fully. I, I don't think that we're at the point where we can fully paint a picture of how that is going to look. But here's what I believe will not change that much. And that is human nature. They're breaking bread, working in community, uh, brainstorming together, looking each other in the eye, body language, etc. There is just uh, so much richness in people getting together for all different reasons, of course. Uh, I don't think that changes. What might change for the next few years is people, uh, companies' policies for travel out of precaution and out of budget reasons. But that doesn't mean that ultimately in the mid and long term, we all will gravitate back towards what we like. And what we like is meet with other people. And um, they, will there be pockets of and segments within the business world where uh, somebody can maybe get away with ma- doing everything online or 80% online and 20% in person? Absolutely, yes. But I do believe, I'm convinced that um, for the infrastructure of hospitality in general terms, um, there, there, there will be a comeback. You know, I love that, Peter. Human nature doesn't change. And, and I think relationship is really at the core of all that. And so I hope you're right because I, I for one, like um, attending a conference or two each, each mm-hmm. year. And, um, and, you know, we do a lot of events at the hotel across from our office. Um, but my audience isn't just, they're not ready yet. They, they've all said, mm-hmm. Hey, we're, we'll do it online. And so we had to pivot a little bit of that um, like everybody else with zoom these days. So mm-hmm. Peter, here you have this career, you've got a really good understanding of the industry and the customer and, you know, you're dealing with things, you got an idea of what the future looks like. If there was anything in your career that you would go back and do differently, um, does anything come to mind? Um, that, that is a good question. 
Um, I have to say in all honesty, very little, I, because I have been blessed with uh, uh, the opportunity to uh, have a wonderful, uh, call it corporate career. I've been blessed with international travel and uh, and having a family at the same time. And in younger years, I, I also explored uh, smaller uh, ventures as an entrepreneur and, and did a bit of that. So I've, I've been very lucky. Um, I, I do want to say one thing, though, which might not be uh, top of mind for the younger generations, because now that has become table stakes. But if I could have incorporated at an earlier stage of my career uh, more uh, diversity in studies, in academic education, I would have loved to do that. I, what I did is I went to work very early and I never stopped. And you know nowadays you call it a sabbatical or or whatever you you like to call it. Um, looking back, I, I, before maybe having you know a great degree of responsibility or before having the responsibility and the family, I I would have loved to maybe get get more done in in you know a master's a PhD or something like of that nature. Um, so that that is something that I would say. Uh, might resonate with a few people uh, if you have the possibility to pause and and uh, dedicate some time to personal growth, not only professional growth, per personal growth, uh, sabbatical or not, one month or one year, whatever it is, if that possibility is out there, I would say do it because I, I personally didn't do it. Well, and that that's a great segue because I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of a personal thing outside of the hotel world. You sit on the board for Looking Glass, the Looking Glass Theater Company, and um, I'm just curious, like, what is there a story behind that? How did that come to be? Well, the the, the yes, there is a story behind it, and and that story really, if I would have to call it something, I would call call it, or the title is community. Um, when when I lived in Chicago, and as you know, I lived there twice, I I was very lucky to um, have the time and the opportunity to get involved in the community. And Chicago is a very uh, embracing city. So I, I was very involved in, in many different things and met a lot of people that had nothing to do with hospitality, which is always very refreshing, right, to meet and converse with folks that don't do what you do. Uh, so... Uh, across the street from the Park Hyde in Chicago happens to be Looking Glass Theater. So it's actually a neighbor of Park Hyde, Chicago, which I managed for a few years. So I met, um, I met our neighbors and I, I personally have, have great interest in the arts. So it was a wonderful thing when they invited me to, to join the board and, and support the arts um, and to some degree, a little bit of philanthropy there. So uh, that, is, that is the, the Looking Glass Theater story and what it means really for me is um it's, it's it's stimulating and it's rewarding to step out of you know call it your comfort zone or stepping out of your daily routine of what you do for a living and and uh, that that has been that has been very good for me well as we know it's those things that bring new opportunities new connections um people into your life, uh, just like you, Peter. So um, I appreciate you sharing. You know, believe it or not, we're, we're already coming to the end of our time today, and this has been great. And can't tell you again how much I appreciate you taking the time to join us. 
if people want to learn more about you and about the Park Hyatt, um, how how do they connect? How do they get to know more about you? Oh, absolutely. So I, I would say the easiest is really LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm in LinkedIn under my, my name and related to my current uh, position at Hyatt. So I'm easy to, to be found there. But then if anybody wants to write me directly, it would be at peter.roth at Hyatt.com. And I would welcome uh, any any dialogue or outreach. It will be my pleasure. All right. Well, before we let you go, um, any final words that you, that you would share with our audience today, uh, with your experience and knowing that you know this is this is the over fifty entrepreneur podcast. Well, yeah, I do have uh, one thing I want to share, and it's really, in all honesty, prompt to your credit, prompted by by some of the uh, questions that I know you like to ask on this podcast. And that is um, in regards to, to um, you know, feeling free in the world of business to do things and, and what does it mean and how does it work? And I have discovered for myself that it really starts with freedom of mind and freedom of thinking. I believe that the limitations for us to do things in, in our society, in the business world, those limitations very often would point the finger at one thing or another that impedes us or we think impedes us to move forward or to do things. Um, I, I've realized that very often that m- might be just an excuse. It is, uh, you know, eventually just in our heads that we're not free and not ready to make choices. We might be afraid of certain things. Um, but I encourage everybody to, um, to look for for an open mind and uh, a curious mind and uh, not to uh, never be afraid to try things and to be entrepreneurial and uh, prototype and uh, throw yourself into the deep end because that's where I believe the higher reward is in, in life and in business. I couldn't agree with you more, Peter. And I, I, I almost feel like, you know, I want to tell the audience, we did not set that question up. So <laughs> it's a great way to end the show. Good, good stuff. And especially right now with all the, all the unknowns, right? It now is the best opportunity to sit back and think about where your opportunities ahead are and don't be afraid to go take those. So Peter, if you'll hang on just a second, uh, we'll wrap up, but guys, you, you've been listening to my conversation with Peter Roth. This is the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, www.epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. We'll have the show notes to this call. We'll have past past calls and conversations that you can listen to. Be sure to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever. And if you like the show, make sure to give us a rating. You know, a five-star is what we're after. Email me at rick at epicsbiz.com as well. Let me know what you think. Um, good, bad, we'd love to hear from you. What questions, what, what kind of topics would you like to hear us talk about? We'd like to hear from you. So until next time, stay safe and remember, we're only getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.